wrote in indelible names. I had a pen, and they said it was um, permanent marker. I put it on a little garage sale sign, but I found out if I pass a little alcohol on it, it comes right off, and I can use that sign again. That's not indelible, all right? Amen. But we want God's Word to be engraved in our hearts yes. in a way that it will not leave. Praise God. So glad this morning, too. This uh, Brother Danny just mentioned to me in a very casual manner, and he wasn't boasting. He was just telling me what he was doing. He said every night, every morning, he reads a portion of God's Word. And he said it just spoke to me so deeply, so profoundly. If we will read God's Word, Amen. God will speak to Amen. us through yes, His he Word. Yes, it may not always be what you want to hear. It may be a word of correction, but it can also be a word of encouragement, a word of strengthening. It can be another building block in your spiritual house. Amen. Lord, again today, we ask you to bless your word to our hearts, to record it in indelible fashion on us, O God. May we not forget what we hear today from the pages of Holy Writ. God, may your word, Lord, speak to our hearts, to me, and to every one of the listeners sitting in this class this morning. We ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. We ask that, Lord, because... We know what a transforming power your word is and can be in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you look at John 3.16, we soon recognize that God had great compassion on the world of lost humanity. And not only the world of that time, but in his great foreknowledge, he knew the situation that would exist in our world today and had compassion on the humanity of this day. And that means you and me. Amen. 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 Had compassion on us. Title of our lesson today, What is Your Passion Level? We read, we read this verse from John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life amen, amen. so we as we read this scripture we feel we see that is that god loved the world god loved not the world system but the people of the world his creation and uh, he loved it in such a way that he gave that is a key word in our lesson today he gave can you say that with me? He gave. He gave. he gave to me. He gave to the whole world. He gave the free gift of eternal life. And the manner in which he loved was not a fickle human love, but a passionate, divine, everlasting love. Don't let the devil trick you into believing that just because you failed God in some area of your life that God no longer loves you. He loves you. He really does love you. Amen. We understand from this scripture that God did not want mankind to perish because of his sin. We also understand he wanted all mankind to have access to eternal life. Now, I want you to be careful attention to what I said. I 
I tend to be rather selective in my choice of words, have access to eternal life. He did not give eternal life to all. He made it accessible to those who will repent and be baptized and seek to truly be filled with his spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. When Jesus talked of the reason for his coming and his ministry, he said the following in Matthew 20 and 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That was his passion. All right? This is not some fickle statement. Okay? But it was his passion. All right? Now, remember that I have asked the question in the title of this lesson today, what is your passion level? Okay? Uh, So... We we read here what was the Lord's passion level. It was very, very high. He loved you. He loved me. He loved every sinner, even those that were the most vile sinners. He loved and desired to save them. And because of that passion that he had to see mankind saved, he gave. He gave. He did not withhold what he could give. He gave. And so we read now in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. And of course it is with regard to those that are born of him. And we are admonished in this passion, in this uh, passage that is, to follow in his footsteps. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. I stopped. Because I wanted you to reflect on those two words. He suffered for us. Amen. Okay? Amen. He suffered for us. Alright? Every one of you that are children, and you all are, some just more grown up than others. <laughs> but there was a mother who suffered to bring you into life. Suffer, and some suffer a great deal. Pains goes to the very door of death to bring you into this world. And Jesus Christ not only went to the door of death, but he passed the door of death. He suffered the crown of thorns. He suffered the beating on his back. He suffered the nail prints. He suffered the spear thrust into his side. All of those things he suffered because he loved us and wanted us to participate in what he had always designed mankind to participate in. Amen? Amen. So as we consider the fact that we should, now uh, I don't know how you interpret the word should, uh, but that is not a casual suggestion. (laughs) All right? should okay uh you're not going to get fired from your job you should get up in the morning (laughs) and you should arrive on time (laughs) amen otherwise you may find yourself looking for uh employment someplace else amen 
So should carries a very heavy connotation with it, a very strong meaning. And so if Jesus suffered for us, if we are to walk in, follow, that is, follow his footsteps, we too must suffer. I don't have time this morning to go into all of the other scriptures where Jesus talked with his disciples and he told them beforehand that they would have to suffer for his namesake. They would suffer for the gospel. They would be killed for the gospel. They would be punished because they believed the gospel. They would be punished because they preached the gospel. And it wasn't many days after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that they began to taste, uh, uh, first of all, in uh, 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 mere threats that they should not preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. Uh, they were more courageous and more bold than many so-called Christians today who if they had received such a threat, they would have been uh, hiding their faith and not going forward with it at all. They would no longer have been in serve mode. They would have reserved their faith for themselves and not shared it with anybody else. But they prayed and God endued them with power from on high and they went on to continue preaching the gospel and to serve their generation. Amen. 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 It brought great persecution. It brought great affliction. It brought great suffering. Amen. And as we as we read through passages of Scripture, we find that the, the disciples rejoiced. Rejoiced. Over what? Huh? Because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of the Lord. Boy, that really puts a different reflection on it, doesn't it? And so we must understand that if we are going to be endued with a passion for this world and for lost sinners, there are going to be some things that we are going to do that would not be normal for us. It will bring about abnormal circumstances into our lives. It may bring persecution. It may bring suffering. Maybe not to the degree of the apostles, but there will be those uh, times of suffering and agony in the presence of the Lord. All right? Now we go into the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 37. Uh, it becomes very clear that we, whether church members or ministers, should follow in the footsteps of our Lord in serving others. I think one of the, and I, I, I had, uh, we had a garage sale yesterday, and I just got acquainted with some of my neighbors that I didn't know before, and some of them came and just hung out with me and just stayed and talked, and we had some real good conversation. But we agreed on one thing, that one of the things that is the, one of the main things that is wrong with our society today is that there is such a high degree of selfishness. Yeah, man, that's right. So as you go about your day and you live your life, you know, be careful to consider your thoughts, your desires, your ambitions, and why it is that you want some things. 
If it is selfish, then you are not following in the footsteps of your Lord because he was totally unselfish. He came to serve others. Now, even before his coming, in Luke 2 and 37, we find this passage with regard to uh, the ancient Anna. And the Bible calls her ancient. She was very, very old. Uh, she had been a widow, I believe it was, for 40 years already, all right? A widow for 40 years. And the Bible tells us that she served God with fastings and prayer night and day. Mm-hmm. Right. Who did she serve? God. Huh? God. 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 She served God. All right? Now... It may be difficult for you to serve fellow human beings, but it ought not to be difficult for you to serve God and to serve His kingdom and to do so with prayers and fastings. Amen? Praise God. Uh, Much of my teaching is to help all of us to get into the right mode of Christian living that will please God and bring the blessings of God upon us and upon our church and upon those that we want to see come into the kingdom of God through the salvation that the Lord provided. All right? Amen. So she served God with fastings. And she served God with prayers. And when, they, when she served God, she was serving God's kingdom. Serving God's purpose. Serving what God wanted to do in the earth at that time. So it it, it just speaks to us of the very important place that we have in God's kingdom. For we too should be serving. Amen? Amen. Unfortunately, uh, many Christians today, and uh, if I can, let's put that in quotes, okay? Uh, And say maybe so-called Christians. They have the idea that God is just this supreme being that exists just to take care of us. Now we are his children. We have repented and been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and live every day uh, with a heartfelt desire to live holy and pleasing to God. We are his children, and God will provide for our needs. But we must be careful that we don't ask for those things, as James writes in his book, that we can consume them upon our own desires. God blessed me. Yeah, come on. Was my prayer this morning. God blessed me. Why? Because I want to be a blessing to you. Amen. God blessed me because I want to encourage somebody. Yes. God blessed me because I want to pray for somebody and have them blessed by the laying on of my hands. Amen. Amen. I want others to be blessed. I have been blessed sufficiently. I have good health. I have a decent home. I have decent automobiles. I have enough clothes and enough food to eat. I can't think of anything that I really need. And so I just ask, God, bless me. Fill me with your spirit that I may be a blessing to others. If we need to today in this Bible study, let's let's get a, a change of mind and a change of heart And not be so self-centered and think about ourselves and what we need. And I know that some of you probably have needs. I don't doubt that. Some of you need healing. 
But there is somebody out there that is a whole lot worse off than you. Amen? That needs prayer and a covering of prayer in their lives. Somebody may be in dire circumstances today uh, of uh, some kind of a disaster, of an accident or whatever. And maybe you feel that person's name just coming to your mind. Pray and give that person a prayer covering. Amen. Allow God to fill your heart with a passion yes, amen. for the needs of others. Amen. Because that is the passion of our Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew 121, God revealed to Joseph that Mary was to give birth to a son that would be called Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. What's Emmanuel mean, Serenity? Thank you. I wanted you to repeat that so he wouldn't forget it. All right? God with us. It doesn't give uh, any Trinitarian twist to that. God the Father with us or God the Holy Spirit with us. God. Because there's only one. So when Jesus came, it is God with us. Right. There are some people who don't understand the oneness doctrine to which they claim to adhere because they have not arrived at a full understanding of what happened in the incarnation. God. The eternal God, the eternal spirit that we call God wanted to be closer to the humanity that he had created. And so he created for himself a body. And he didn't just say, boop, and a body appeared. But he did it in the most natural way. Amen. Divinely placing into the womb of Mary all of the necessary things that she would conceive and bring into being this one that would be the Son of God and would also be the Son of Man because he would be God's Son because he was born of God and by the will of God. He would be the Son of Man because he was born of Mary. And in that double nature he was able to redeem mankind. Now, in Matthew one twenty one, it says that he would save his people from their sins and she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, we as God's people should be committed to the same task of rescuing the lost and the dying. I know that we can't forgive sins. I know that we do not have the power to transform people's lives, but you do have the power to speak. You do have the power to witness. You do have the power to pray. And your words anointed by the Holy Spirit of God can bring about a change in someone's life. Amen, amen, amen. And so in that fashion, we can assist our Lord Jesus Christ in his task of reaching the world. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> now the reticence on the part of some to serve the Lord and to think and think for some reason that he is required to serve them is a true sign of selfishness, which is a hallmark of our generation. 
and certainly is not the attitude of the one whose servants we are committed to be. You cannot follow Jesus Christ and be selfish. Because he wasn't. Hello? Amen. 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 You can't just think about yourself and follow the Lord. Because that's not the way he thought. Right. Somehow or the other, through prayer and fasting and, and, and all of our faithfulness to God, we have got to somehow acquire the attitude, the mentality, the thinking of our yes. Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we have acquired that, we will truly be God's servants and we will be effective in our work for Him. But as long as we only think about ourselves, oh, my poor pain. Yeah. As long as we're only concerned about our empty wallet, as we're only only concerned about the things that are important to us. We are no longer useful to the Lord. He came to serve others, all right? And she shall bring forth a son. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so we want to or do we want to serve the Lord and help him in this task? I hope you do. All right? Now, <clears throat> the attitude of self-serving, which is the attitude of our general population today, the endeavoring to preserve one's own life, is paramount in our society today. Now, I want you just to listen carefully today about what the Bible tells us in Luke 17, 32-33. I found it interesting as I began to uh, read this passage. I, I had only wanted to read, uh, to use today, verse 33, which says, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Well, that's what I thought I was going to use. And then before I read that, my eyes fell on verse 32. And it says, remember Lot's wife. Now, we may ask ourselves, what in the world does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. Because Lot's wife was concerned about herself. She was concerned about her home. She was concerned about her possessions and she could not obey the simplest of instructions to get out of the city and don't look back. It becomes obvious by the fact that she looked back that that is where her heart was. Her heart was in Sodom. Her heart was in her beautiful home. Her heart was with her beautiful furnishings. Maybe not beautiful by our standards today, but beautiful to her society and her standing. All right? Concerned about other of her children, of her family. 
But God said, get out of the city and don't look back. But her selfish, self-seeking attitude became so apparent when she turned to look back because she heard the fire and the brimstone falling on what had been her city and her home. When I begin to think in this way and begin to put this together, then the next verse 33 made more sense to me. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Wow! Isn't that what Lot's wife did? Huh? And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. She thought she was losing everything. But that glance backward was the moment in which she really lost everything. And I could go on in that line of thought for quite a while this morning. So, as God's servants, should we desire to do less than to lose our lives in Christ? To lose our lives in His will? Should we be comfortable with just filling our own desires and needs? Should we not be our brother's keeper? Huh? I want to look rapidly this morning in the lives of three great men of God. And they had some profound things to say to us about their passion level. What they were willing to do because they loved their people. Before Christ, they already had the Spirit of Christ. And so we read, and and, and time does not permit today for me to read this entire passage of uh, Exodus 32, 7-14. Well, maybe we can do it. Let's try it. Okay? Very important. Now, God was angry with Israel. He had just taken them out of Egypt. He had helped them to flee from Pharaoh. He had helped them to get across the Red Sea. He had made the bitter waters sweet. He had provided manna from heaven. There wasn't anything at all that God did not provide for them. They had absolutely no reason to complain about anything. But they did. And they backslid. And they went back to worshiping idols. And Aaron made a golden calf for them to fall down before and worship. All right? You can read the story. Okay? And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Go. 
They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto. And he said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked stiff stiff people. Now therefore, let me alone. God said, let me alone. Leave me be. Don't bother me. All right? That my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why dost doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountain and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all of this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Now I want the next verse, 32. Right. So Moses is speaking out. He said, "Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written." What is happening? Moses is saying, "If you're gonna kill this people, you're gonna have to kill me first." You're going to have to blot out my name. And I'm talking to you today about passion. About a high level of passion. What is the passion that you have for people that are unsaved? How is it that you feel about them? And uh, how is it that you feel when they are chastised and punished? Amen? And that speaks volumes to God about whether or not you really have the Spirit of Christ abiding in your heart. Now we go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13 and verse 5. We hear a message directed from the lips of the Lord. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in, the, in battle in the day of the Lord. What's he talking about? He's talking about how that when the enemies, uh, that is when the soldiers went out to battle against their enemies, uh, that they would be like a great wall of soldiers. Okay? Shoulder to shoulder, marching out to battle. And if one would fall, somebody Come on. had to step up from the rank behind and fill that gap so the enemy could not get through. Amen. Yes. Amen. You have seen your brother fall. You have seen your fellow soldier fall. And so you are fearful and you don't want to step into his place. And God brings criticism on us because we are unwilling to fill the gap and to defend the house of God. 
Ezekiel 22, 30-31, we hear the Lord declaring how he sought for men to make up the head in defense of the Lord and his house. But he could not find anyone who would take up his cause. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the head and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And then the most disheartening words I found none That's, those are sad words so maybe God is looking for someone to step up and to fill the gap Come on. in favor of your family that doesn't know God of your father, your mother, your brother, your sister aunt, uncles, and others of your extended family, or perhaps colleagues and friends and acquaintances. And he looks at you and wonders, is he going to see you stepping up to fill the gap in their behalf, to save them, to preserve them? May God not find that we are unwilling to step forward and to fill the gap. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. And now we go into the New Testament. And we read from the book of Romans, chapter 9 and verse 3, words from the lips and the pen of the apostle Paul. And he makes a most astounding statement. This man who was saved from his false faith. This man who was saved on the road to Damascus. Who received a vision of someone coming to him. And he was marvelously converted and became the greatest of all of the apostles. And gave to us a bulk of the New Testament in great writings through the epistles. But he was so concerned about his own Jewish nation that basically had rejected Jesus. They rejected him in Pilate's judgment hall. And they said, crucify him, crucify him. They rejoiced as he was led to Golgotha. They rejoiced as he was hung on a cross. They rejoiced as his blood dripped down. They rejoiced as they placed his lifeless inert body in a tomb and sealed it with a big stone. And they thought, it's all over now. But Jesus rose from the dead. He was seen of men and women for 40 days and testified of the coming kingdom and of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the disciples his disciples and a host of others received that experience and they 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 moved forward with the preaching of the gospel they were not intimidated by threats did you hear me i said they were not intimidated by threats i i have been witnessing christian people and their reaction to criticism for many years 
And there are those that somebody says some little old thing and they're just cowering. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Amen. Do you love God? Yes, I love yes. God. Amen. Praise God. Maybe it gets more point. Are you a holy roller? That's an old term. That's an old term in the city. You still hear it once in a while somewhere. But anyway. People shrink from these things. Shrink from this criticism. Shrink from a few words. Words. Mere words. Not swords. Not spears. Not whips. Not stones. Not anything that can hurt the body. Just words. Where is your Holy Ghost? Where is the power that you were endued with when you had your Pentecostal experience? Does it not give you courage and strength to stand and to fill the gap in behalf of others? Amen. Paul was so heavy in his spirit. His level of passion was so high. He said, for I could. Wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He didn't say that he wanted that to happen, but he said, I, I, I am so overcome with a passion for my people. Compassion for my people. Compassion for those that receive God's ordinances. Compassion for those that receive God's laws. Compassion for the people that were the select and the chosen of God and have rejected him. I am filled with compassion for them to the point to almost wish myself to be a curse from Christ if it would bring about their salvation. So, where are we? That was the level of the passion of this man of God. And I must ask myself what my level of passion is. Can I ask that you examine your level of passion? Are you doing that this morning in the course of this Bible study? Does your passion, I'm going to get pointed, all right? I didn't see anybody walk in with a box of rotten tomatoes, so I guess you're not going to throw anything at me, okay? All right. But does your passion for the lost, does your passion for your lost family members, I wake you early in the morning, cause a loss of sleep for the sake of a father, a mother, brother, sister, or family member? Huh? Huh? Uh, we're, 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 we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Or like they say, where the rubber really meets the road. You know, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, yeah, that's true, that's right, you know. And we go our way. But tomorrow morning early when God wakes you before your normal arousing time, and you say, what is this all about? I'm not getting up. It's too early. 
The birds aren't even singing yet. Are you going to get out of bed? And allow God to fill your heart with a deep passion? Can I say a painful passion for someone of your family that is not saved? I'm, I'm talking to you from my heart this morning as I did last Sunday. From my heart. I have seen too many people whose families are lost, whose children are lost, whose children are into drugs and alcohol and illicit sex and everything else that is against God's will. And it was Tuesday night and it was prayer service and I'm referring to where we used to minister. Okay? And I see them go up front, you know, so piously. And they kneel their knees at the altar. In that last maybe five minutes. And they get up and they return to their seat. And they begin to talk with somebody about what I don't know. Yeah. About what I don't know. While their family members are dying and going to hell. Are you concerned about the loss or is it just some lip service? Does that passion cause you to fast and to give to the cause of evangelism? Do you pray for missionaries in situations so dangerous that their names and their work and the nation they reside in cannot be divulged for it would pose great personal danger to them? We've got missionaries of our church that are in countries where they it cannot be the bold where they are working. It cannot be the bold what they are doing there. Okay? Paul writes in the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 69, I marvel that you are so, remo so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. There is no other gospel. There's no other gospel, preacher friend. There's no other gospel. It's only this one. Don't think that those that you fail to pray for, that you don't pray into the kingdom of God, are somehow through some other means going to be saved. If they don't embrace this gospel, they're going to be lost. Do you agree with that? Amen. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Yes, and as as we have as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. You say this fit, scripture doesn't fit with what you're teaching. Oh yes, it fits. We have got to believe that what we believe and this gospel that we embrace is what every family member of ours must embrace. Amen. That every friend of ours must embrace if they're going to be saved. And I hope that there is somehow, in some way, a, a, a means that you can uh, uh, up your passion level to believe these things. Amen. Jesus said, 
In John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They're not going to get through to Mohammed or Confucius or Buddha or some other God that has been invented by man. Jesus Christ is the only way. Hallelujah. And let a passion, my friend, let a passion for this gospel get a hold of your heart. Amen. Is your level of passion for God and the gospel such that no price is too great to pay? To see the cause of it advanced in our world? That's how the disciples felt. I'm going to have to die? Well, if it's for the gospel, so be it. And Stephen went down under a hail of stones with a smile on his lips. And a praise on his heart to him who had redeemed him out of the world. Hallelujah. Is your passion level that high? And only you can answer that question. And you can probably only answer that passion, that, that question about your passion level. As you come into the presence of God in your early morning prayers. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not boasting this morning. I just want you to know the person that I am. That's all. I'm not trying to say that I'm better than anybody else. But I am trying to be obedient to the Lord. Several times this week, I was awakened at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I, I know my body. And I knew that I would not be able to go back to sleep. And so I went to my favorite place of prayer in my family room. Pulled my prayer shawl up over my shoulders. Put my box of Kleenex very handy. And I began to pray. And I prayed for you. I called your name, Brother Danny, and I called your name, Beatrice call the name of all of you one by one the names of my children the names of my grandchildren the names of my great grandchildren the names of my living brothers and their wives and their extended families and the list is long and getting longer every day as people call me and say please pray for me I need your prayers God there's many out there that need our prayers you may get up and say, well, I didn't see anything great happen. But God knows. God knows your obedience. God knows what you prayed. You were specific in your prayer. And you asked God to save. And you asked God to heal. And you asked God to make witnesses out of others. Hallelujah. God knows. And in time, it will come to pass. Because God hears our prayers. And he will answer our prayers. Praise God. Janet, I wasn't boasting this morning when I just kind of asked you a little question there. I have prayed for you. I want you to be saved. 
I want you to be faithful to God and to God's house. Sorry to be so pointed this morning. But if every member of this congregation would pray in that fashion, there is no telling what God would do in this place of worship. Well, what do you do with the sleep you lost? Well, I kind of know when the Lord is through with me in that early morning prayer. And I say, Lord, I got up when you called and I have been obedient and I have been here until you finished with me. Now, Lord, I do need a little bit more sleep for my weary body. I'm going back to bed. Help me to sleep. And I laid my head down on that pillow that quick. I'm asleep and I sleep soundly and I get up as though I had never been up during the night. That's what God will do for you if you will be obedient to the heavenly call. Quit being selfish. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit thinking about your sleep. Let your passion level get ever and ever higher. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together. God, we thank you again today for your words that speak so profoundly to our hearts. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Bless this congregation, God, I pray. May we be endued with a great passion for souls and a great passion for the lost. And a great passion for those that don't know you. And a great passion for those that love the world and all of its things more than they love you. Oh, God, help us this morning as we continue this service and continue the fellowship of one with another, Lord. Help us, oh God, I pray. Help us. We are weak and we are frail and we need you. We can't do this on our own. We've got to move in it by the power of your spirit. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. May God bless each of you this morning. And we are just happy to be in God's presence. Amen. Let's greet one another. Amen. And we will soon sing and worship the Lord. Amen. Hear from Another man of God.